Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of In Depth with Beth and Seth, the podcast from Plymouth Church in Minneapolis, where we discuss the sermon from the previous Sunday. And this week, we'll actually talk about two because we took the week after Easter off from this. And so thank you for your patience until we return. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am your Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater. And as always, I am here with Beth Hoffman Faith. Hi, Beth. Hello, Seth. Hello, everyone. It's nice to be back. I enjoyed having a week where we didn't do a podcast, but I also found myself missing this conversation. So I'm glad to be back. And I hope people had a blessed Easter and are continuing to seek sort of Easter messages in our Easter tide, which is where we're at now until the day of Pentecost, which is May 23rd. So happy Thank- Easter, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Happy Easter, Beth. <laughs> So we are going to try to talk about two sermons. One, a little bit of Duane's sermon from Easter, because you picked up on some things in your sermon from yesterday. So uh, Duane's sermon on Easter, what resonated with me is that he found in the Mark text, it's an unsatisfying end to the story. Mm. And he talks about how it doesn't get wrapped up. We don't see Jesus. We don't see the risen, resurrected body. It's just a young man in the tomb saying, go to Galilee, go to Galilee, and there you'll find. And then that sort of ends. And there's some addendums that got added on to Mark uh, later on, but the original version probably ended right there. And he picked up on the idea that go to Galilee, go to the place that is where the people are oppressed, where the people are marginalized, where the empire's knee is most on their neck is in Galilee, go there and you will find resurrection. Right. So the title of the sermon is Witnessing a Resurrection based on the first eight verses of the 16th chapter of Mark. And the other piece I really liked that Duane picked up on, and because this go to Galilee became then the theme for the sermon and... Duane was very specific about where Galilee might be for us today, but that he said, this is the the piece in the scripture that people move past too quickly. We focus on what resurrection means, but that phrase, go to Galilee, most of us would just skim. I've preached on this text multiple Easter's, I can tell you. I never really thought about that. And he just opened the door to a new understanding of the significance of using that phrase. Like what, what the women might find in Galilee, what the significance of Galilee is. And then, of course, then interpreting Galilee for our time. I'm going to quote his sermon that you used in yours, which is, go to the homeless encampments because Jesus has gone there ahead of us. And we might catch a glimpse of resurrection there. Go to where George Floyd, Brianna Taylor, Michael Brown, and Tamir Rice were killed because Jesus has gone there ahead of us, and we might see a resurrection. Go to any prison or ICE detention center because Jesus has gone there ahead of us, and we might possibly witness a resurrection. Like the women, you know, again, what does it mean then to witness a resurrection? What does that mean for us in 2021? In a time of pandemic, where again today we grieve yet another young black man shot and killed by a police officer in Brooklyn Center, not very many miles away from our church. Where is resurrection now? What do we want to find in those Galilees? Yeah, in the constant cycle of life, death, and rebirth, what is being rebirthed even in the death? And it doesn't justify the death, but we have to go looking. We have to go to the place of the death in order to find the direction to the place of rebirth. Yes. 
Because that's where hope is. And the rebirth. Mm-hmm. And we're holding, I mean, in Minnesota, in April, this is the beginning of springtime and we are seeing it. We are feeling it in this nature way where we, I'm looking out my window and there's uh, the trees have little buds on them. We're seeing these little bits of rebirth, but I'm only noticing it because I've stared at these trees without anything on them for so long. Right. It's what we say. There can't be a resurrection without a crucifixion. And it doesn't make the crucifixion right. No. And so it's this kind of strange tug of understanding. This Again, the cycle of birth and death and new life. I think what's interesting to me about, there was a strong reaction to Duane's sermon, a positive reaction, at least that I have heard in this last week and a day. Yeah, me too. And and so it was a message that resonated. And I also believe it is about Duane's style and passion that he brings to preaching too. You know, that it's the way a message is delivered that can have significant impact. Absolutely. And, and I, I find that people are really drawn into Duane's style. And the three of us, we each, we have different styles, which is one of the gifts, I think, and benefits of, of this team ministry and hearing different voices and, and different styles. But it's interesting and satisfying to receive a message from Duane because he kind of, he, he obviously brings his whole self to it in kinetic, moving, energetic way. And so- I think people are appreciating that. The parts of our congregation that have been around since before the pandemic, they've heard you and I speak in person. Mm. They haven't heard him speak in person. It'll be quite a thing when we are all back in space together. Because it's one thing to to receive uh, that kind of message over recording. It's another thing to be in the room. True. And that day is coming, friends. It's coming. Is it tomorrow? It is not coming tomorrow. Okay. We will be back. Uh, together to worship as a congregation, and it will, that will be a great a great day, the beginning so, of something new, its own kind of resurrection. That's right. There will be rebirth, and we don't even know what it will be all the time. <laughs> we can plan, and rebirth is not always planned. But to to yesterday, to your excellent sermon, we, we have set up between Easter, the Easter time, between Easter Day and Pentecost, we are talking about stewardship, the stewardship of different things. And uh, with your scripture yesterday of John 20, 19 through 31, which is often called uh, the Doubting Thomas Pericope, you talked about the stewardship of doubt, which is something that we can always hear more of, especially in a culture in which we are so desperate for certainty that we forget uh, the importance of doubt. We often run from doubt because it's hard. Mm. We look for certainty. This is my own opinion that we run for certainty because it's just easier to hold. Well, I know this and now I don't need to worry about it anymore. But when we embrace doubt, then it's on us to make meaning out of it. And you, is, it's it was, always been interesting to me. This scripture comes right out of the lectionary, the prescribed cycle of reading. So we, you know, we have the Alleluia of Easter, new life, you know, life over death, death is not the end. Mm-hmm. Um, people are pretty happy. And then the very next week we get this text around Thomas just saying I, I, he did not experience Jesus' appearance as the other disciples had. The disciples have locked themselves away in fear, and that to me is also very disconnected from the joy of Easter. And Jesus finds them, appears to them, this first post-resurrection appearance, but Thomas isn't there. And Thomas says, I'm well, I'm glad you saw Jesus, but until <laughs> I see him, I'm not going to believe that that really happened. And I think it offers us a lot of opportunity to 
to acknowledge and appreciate our own doubt. Again, I said it in my sermon, but I'll say it again. faith doesn't happen in a vacuum. We can't just blindly believe what we've been told. If we're really going to have a faith that is meaningful to us, then we have to, we have to dig deep and we have to go to places we might not want to go like Galilee. And we have to ask really hard questions like, where is God in the midst of all this? Where is God in the midst of the Derek Chauvin trial? Where is God in Brooklyn Center today? Where, where is God as, you know, those of us continue to grieve people we've lost to this devastating virus? Uh, these are important questions. And I have a lot of empathy for people because I've, I've been there too, or I just want to see in order to believe. I have a lot of empathy for Thomas. I want to see see Jesus too. And if I could see Jesus, then I would, my, my faith would increase incrementally. Right. So what do we do when we don't see? We question. To the end of your sermon, you say, uh, live into your questions, my friends, speak your doubt out loud and do so within this beloved community, because we will stand with you. We will bless and not chastise you. We will embrace your doubts, trusting their capacity for a deeper faith. And together, in community, even when fear constrains us, let us go to Galilee, because resurrection awaits us there even after Easter Day. That was just a wonderful way to end. And I bring it up now because of it connects to what you were just saying. But it is contrasted from the beginning of your sermon when you were talking about your dog or my dog. <laughs> you could have been talking about my dog. You could have been talking about probably a lot of people's dogs and storms. Yes. Storm anxiety, which was very prevalent in this last week because we were, we had several nights in a row of spring thunderstorms and my three-year-old pup really, really has an anxious response. And so I didn't get a whole lot of sleep, which made me think about, you know, to me, it felt like that's exactly what the disciples did Mm -hmm. in the, in that days following the crucifixion, and the tomb being empty, where did they go? They went, they locked themselves away. They were afraid. I imagine there was quite a bit of pacing and panting and shaking because they didn't know what the future would hold. The piece that uh, that you allude to and which moved towards my conclusion is that even in Thomas's doubt and even in the disciples' fear, they remained in community together. You know, yeah, Thomas missed the first appearance. But Thomas didn't abandon the rest of the disciples. Right. He was with them when Jesus appeared again. And I had not thought about that in this text before, about how important it is for us to acknowledge that within our community, we're not always going to feel the same way. We're not going to believe the same thing, right? We're congregationalists. We're supposed to have lots of different thoughts and ideas about things. But what does it mean to stand with even when we're not of one like mind? And it doesn't mean I have to. I have to have the same doubts as you. It doesn't mean I have to even understand your doubts to stand with you in it. I have to trust that they're real and then be with you in it. Because we're all holding our own places where we have been panting, shaking over and over and over again, that we are looking for people to stand with us as we wrestle with our own doubts and anxieties. But it might not be mine. You say we're congregationalists. We'll believe lots of different things. But I do wonder if sometimes we are so, if we've somehow deluded ourselves into thinking that because we're congregationalists, we will all agree on everything. And when we don't, when we hold different doubts, we don't rush into community, we rush away. Well, right, because doubt can be isolating because it, it could make us feel like we don't belong here anymore. 
I, I don't know if I'll ever believe that or the, the resurrection itself poses so many possibilities for questions and doubts. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. we might feel like, well, if I don't really believe in this resurrection thing or the bodily re- resurrection or whatever, then maybe I don't belong in this community. And I think what I was trying to say is bring it, bring mm-hmm. it to this community. And again, we will stand with you. You will not be just like Jesus Jesus didn't chastise Thomas. Jesus blessed Thomas in his disbelief, made an observation that do you believe only because you can see and blessed are those who believe even when they cannot see, but it wasn't a scolding. It was an observe. To me, that's an observation. And it's what we now as Christians in 2021 have to continue to do. We have to believe without seeing. And I think we can only do that when we stand with and not against. And when we, when we bring to the community, all of ourselves, even if we remain unconvicted. I myself struggle with, with the concept of a bodily resurrection. That is a place where I hold a lot of doubts, Mm. but I have been able to, in some ways, create more certainty in that doubt or more meaning, I guess is what I should say, more meaning in that doubt because of conversations with people who the bodily resurrection is deeply important. Mm. The conversations with people where a bodily resurrection is the most meaningful thing for them has helped me understand my own doubts and reformulate them or rethink them or hold different meanings as opposed to just, well, I don't know about it. We sometimes help each other by disagreeing, but standing with each other, holding our own doubts with each other. Absolutely. And it takes courage to name what we question. Uh, and what we wonder about. And this may seem trite, but it's absolutely true that when we move through a time of doubt, when we ask the deep questions of our heart, there is the great possibility that it will lead us to a greater place of faith. That we to a cannot, rebirth, maybe? <laughs> we cannot have faith without doubt. Like Paul Tillich said, it's one element mm-hmm. and, it, and it leads us into a place we didn't even know possible and absolutely right, resurrection and rebirth. And this is when when our culture, outside of the specific places of worship, our culture talks about polarization. I think a large part of that is the unwillingness to hear the doubts that other people are holding. Mm. And then when nobody is able to listen to our doubts, we then reframe them as our certainties, which are really narrow often. Doubts are wide. Certainties can be really narrow. And so all then you hear is people proclaiming their certainties. And when nobody feels like you're listening to that, then they start shouting their certainties or beating their certainties. Right. The need to have a place where we can hold our doubts together. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining us this week. And thank you, Beth, for preaching a sermon that was absolutely worth talking about. And thank you, Duane, for preaching an Easter sermon that was worth continuing to talk about. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening. Blessings in this Easter season.